0: it is uh, a Celtics victory against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Bobby Manning, John Zanis. We may get Sherrod Blakely from the garden. Uh, happy Martin Luther King Day to all. Uh, Celtics beat the Pelicans 104-92. This was a pretty gross game in which the Celtics came out. It uh, had a 39-point first half. Um, you know, nothing here is going to excuse the offensive woes, Bobby. So we're going to talk about it, especially like the the slow starts you know, and, and just how bad that first half was, but again, talent won out, they turned on the jets in the second half, they win. And the Celtics are now over 500. Yes. For the first time since December 7th, when they were 13 and 12 and lost to the Lakers that day, they have not been a game, at least a game over 500, uh, in over a month in five plus weeks here. So that's what we have. I guess it is something to celebrate. So, um, we can get into the gross stuff because I do think that that's always going to be troubling. But let's let's start with the good. Um, really good bounce back second half. Jason Tatum was dreadful in the first half. Really good bounce back second half. Um, what did you see that was different there?
1: Oh, going downhill, giving up on the jump shots, playing with a little right. more pace, all the different kind of stuff you want to see that they weren't doing early. Uh, I guess this is probably the best stretch for the team, I'd say too. Just to go off that for one second there, since April of last year, they won six games in a row. Now five out of six of them
0: over this stretch here doesn't uh, feel but, like it, does it? We we've come out here, you know, you know, but yeah, I guess no,
1: it it doesn't. They're not playing all that much better.
0: Um, they're I mean, I, the I tweeted moments. it. I tweeted it, and you saw it, Bobby. The uh, seven of nine. Seven seven of their last nine games, including this one, they've had a a half where they scored less than 45. I used that 45-point barometer, by the way, just because that allowed me to include more games. Most of those were 41, 40, 42, 39. It was, I mean, really low totals. Seven of nine games, including a couple of victories, uh, and twice being sub-40 for an entire half, you know, having their offense shut down seven of the last nine games. It's actually kind of incredible that they have a, have this little mini, uh, you know, run of wins that, that that they have now that's knocked them over 500.
1: Well, you look at what they're doing defensively, especially late in this game in those last three quarters for the Pelicans, 17, 23, 23, they just got stifling on that end. They win a quarter in the second where they have 21 points. That's how good they started playing on that. end. there Horford and Tatum might just – awesome on that end just like the Chicago win where he stopped the Rosen late he steps up and gets some hands on some balls uh forces some turnovers and is able to get the ball off fast you know he he was pushing some good pace there especially the player of the game really him throwing it out to Neesmith and Neesmith finishing the end one there for his own little five nothing push I found it interesting though uh Neesmith finishes this one what was it in the end plus 16, and they go on that 34-16 run after he came in late in the third there. So Tatum and the two wings next to him was a good combination to finish it out rather than Grant or something like that uh, down the stretch there. So that was good. Neesmith wasn't amazing, but made the most of his minutes there. I mean – And, you and know, it just ended up being
0: a good lineup for them. Uh, you know, it, it all comes back to it. Uh, two things came out of that, that that are things that, like, have been really big – that I've talked about a ton um, super important to me is um, stack those smith minutes like with the good guys, with the good guys and give them opportunity. Don't just banish him to the corner and then say, well, you didn't do anything. So you got to give those guys opportunities with the good guys and don't, and you have to bring them back out there when they don't, when they have a, a rough stretch that first stretch for Neesmith was a classic how many times have we seen this before he gets a four to five minute stretch doesn't hit the only two shots that he takes maybe commits a turnover or oh a foul, how about that stretch something. in the first half where he goes off that's the what i mean. board, Yeah, he hits the side of the backboard on a three they ran a set for him on another and he rimmed it out back rim a little strong but again when you think you're playing for your life you're really tentative <laughs> yeah. and And that's the type of game we've seen it a million times with Neesmith where he's in and he's gone, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it didn't happen this time. And that's uh, they went
1: back to him. Yeah. And he may preview it a little bit pregame. You know, they could go bigger against this team. They had Cantor in there, freedom in the second half, actually out there for their best run of the game, which was interesting. Uh, Along with Schroeder, Richardson, worst run of the game.
0: Can't. Worst run of the game was the Cantor-Richardson-Pritchard uh, 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 lineup there that came yeah. in, and they just stagnated. They didn't score. That's where the Pelicans kind of built that lead. Celtics were stuck on 18 points for the back end of that first quarter all the way through. Um, and then you had Romeo nismith out there, and they didn't do anything with their first mm-hmm. half minutes. So the no, bench, was
1: was, bad stretch too. Yeah. bench
0: was a zero in this one. And so those are the things you have to fight through because a lot of times Again, being down players forces you to, but it looks like Nismith took Pritchard's minutes in the second half, um, and he was out there as the spacer or the shooter. He didn't really – wasn't knocking down shots, but he did get a couple of buckets and did his kind of energy thing, which is fine. But, again, you really want to see him get into a rhythm. I'd like to see him get an 8-10 to shot game, you know, where he's just shooting a few jumpers, trying to get to a spot, get to the elbow. You know, you watch him play in Maine and see how he attacks – uh the defense much more aggressively the stuff we saw in vegas summer league trying to get uh where he was able to beat some guys off the dribble he's terrified to do anything like that here he just doesn't do it uh at all one time he tried to go to the basket went up for what maybe a two-handed dunk attempt spun around he's like i don't like it here and threw it to the free throw line for a turnover he's done that where, a lot yeah. i don't know where that was going you know it's just like you can grab okay. a couple
1: of clips of him doing that in his career so far, just like pa- just pausing in the post and just throwing it
0: somewhere. Yeah, uh, but it makes a nicer, more we call that determined... the, we call that the J the, we call that the Jalen, that, yeah, the early that career
1: is. Jalen, right? Jalen still does it sometimes where he hits the break. He braces. does it a lot. He's like where can yeah. I go? <laughs> but overall, he recovered during that stretch, and it's not amazing stuff. Grabbing those defensive rebounds, pushing on it's the not break and. You he's know, back just, to his
0: energy stats, right?
1: Yeah, maybe just dumping off that pass to uh, Ennis where you got the free throws there. So a few moments overall, though, still erratic play from Neesmith. You watch him out there and you're still not confident that he's a guy who's going to be a good NBA player. Just the stuff that he does, especially the shot. I mean, he's wide open on these. He is like a guy who has his shooting pedigree shouldn't have any issues knocking these down. And nope. he just misses them methodically. So that's where I look at like but a again, suite. we, He's plus 16 in 19
0: minutes uh, and he and he grabbed the rebounds and, uh, you know, he gave them that hustle and that energy, that unit worked. The other aspect of it, Bobby, isn't just play the kids. It's trying the different combos, you know, yeah. and that's, that's the thing is like, that's where Well, E-may... I wrote
1: this earlier in the year that in those combinations, they look good. That's the style they want to play. Even if it's just defensively, because I thought Neesmith had a pretty good game on the defensive end. If you have that length and you want to be a disruptive team on that end of the floor, you want to be a team that can switch a little bit and be more versatile. That's how they want to play it, right? But they don't put themselves in those lineups very often. You got your two guards sometimes. Uh, maybe you'll mix in a Romeo, and Richardson's been outstanding on that end. That little stretch of turnovers they had in the first half was really the only life that they showed on that end. Uh, so you do go to those different combinations, I think, just because you, you want to be this defensive team. Well, you look your best, I think when they have wings out there across the perimeter, whether it's Romeo, whether it's Richardson and or even Neesmith, I think that's when you can really clamp down on a team and, this defense is getting impressive over the last few weeks here. I know it's not great opponents, but there's been stretches where they have just completely shut down their opponent, including the end of that Chicago game. so they have to find the combinations where they can actually translate defense into offense not just be playing this slog like they were for long periods of this game where they're getting the stops but they can't generate buckets at all. This was just a dreadful offensive game I thought outside of the quarter that you know turned this one
0: around. yeah, that's pretty much. Um, pretty much it. I mean, but you know what, though? Again, being able to do this, um, being able to do this is a mark. I'm not going to call them a good team, but it is a mark of a good team. You play a team that's not talented, you go out there and you have a crap first half, and it only takes you one quarter to win. Um, great, that's good. Um, yeah. and, and that's you do- what you're going to be able to do
1: for the weeks to come. And you can put yourself in pretty good position if you keep doing that over and over and over again here. I know the uh, Hornets are tough on Wednesday. That's a huge game. Uh, over the weekend, you head down to uh, DC and playing the Wizards, who've been pretty awful for a while here, and just it's just opponent after
0: opponent. You're starting to run into some Good. of the worst teams in the league. Good. I mean, you know what though? I mean, there's two things you can do here. One, opportunities obviously to get right, stack up some wins, give yourself a little bit of a cushion. Two, again. Experiment a tad, like these are lineups where you can mess around, you know, and you could try a few different things and see what works and it's not a terrible thing to try that through the um, weekend it's it's oh my God, it gets bad
1: you get that big hornets one, but that's Portland washington sacramento Atlanta, New Orleans again through the end of the
0: month I mean though that you got to win like four or five games there right, yeah, and that's fine once again though um so we'll get into it uh, we'll get into it a little, but once again we've got uh and let me find it here um we've got the schroeder game yes so again uh we're not just talking schroeder scoring we're talking schroeder lots of Schroeder tweets from me tonight i know i know but i mean again i'm not taking a victory lap over schroeder but again it's funny just watching the 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 narrative and the chat go um it, you know a game like this immediately the chat fills up with uh get rid of some marcus look at their record without marcus schroeder's doing fine first game one game that schroeder has it's bad everyone jumps don't in forget and philly that, everyone forget says philly. that's game. why right i know but every, who played well in the philly game right you know yeah. Everybody was bad. Tatum and Brown had, had collectively. They missed the worst. Smart there, though. That's my point. They got blown up on the defense. Sure, event. sure. But, I mean, you know, it's nobody ever. What was funny about Dennis is, for a while, he was doing Marcus Smart things, you know, in this game. He yeah. uh, he draws a charge. He, he causes a backcourt violation with pestering uh, defense there. Um, he drives the lane and kicks to Grant for an open three that started that little 8-0 spurt where the Celtics got back into it um, after they were trailing all of those things are like when Marcus does it we're you know we're lighting up the uh, the Twitter sphere with winning plays and when Dennis does it it's like all right fine I guess he did some stuff right today but you know he hasn't been nine assists he had an eight assist game recently he's like doing point guard yes, things last you know? game
1: yeah so we're talking 17 assists over his last two and if we're adding up the points it was 23 here and I believe it, it adds up to. 39 over the last two. So just yeah. offensive engine and key spots too. I thought and again, came- and that's,
0: you have the one, but then there's the one point Philly game before that. Yeah. And then the game, the game before that against Indiana, it's a 23 point game, Uh seven, 11 field goals, four or five, three point shooting, you know? So he has a couple of duds and then he has two, three good games. But before that, you know, 20 points, 15 points, 21 points. So again, January overall, he's had two or three no shows, but for he's stacked together, uh two three four five six six really 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 solid games in this stretch and a lot of them are not the types of ones that are killing you where he's shooting a low percentage or taking a lot of shots or a high turnover game nine assists to two turnovers eight assists to one turnover he had a five assist to one turnover game uh you know his turnovers are actually down this month and he started point guard the last five or six games so uh again a good stretch from him, uh, and offense when they need it, you know, when that when everything's jammed up, his ability to when those fall, you know, whether it's he gets a little separation, he hits those little jumpers, or he takes it all the way to the basket, it's great for, for a stagnant offense. And he he kind of helped kickstart him a little bit today, and then Tatum, two different players, first half, second half. I, I just don't understand the guy who showed up in the first half, I just don't get it. No, I don't I just, either. The I, seven I minute
1: stretch, too, and then you. <laughs> I always find the email substitution there interesting, too, whether it's taking out a guy who's been hot or sitting down a guy who was ice cold there not really giving him a chance to get going until, let's say, the second half in this game. It's an interesting choice that he makes there because he wants one of Brown or Tatum on the floor for the whole game. And it was interesting, too, between the third and fourth quarter, it's just Tatum out there. So by the time Brown gets back in the game, all the work's essentially done there. Uh, so I understand the thinking there between having one of your two best players on the floor for the whole game, but that first substitution is always interesting to me because it's either a guy who's really cold going to the bench and can't find that rhythm from there, or a guy who's just torching, taking a seat and cooling down. It's always a tough decision, I think, that they make there to kind of set up the flow for the rest of the game because they could both play the whole first quarter, maybe have one sit down the start of the second, different rotation pattern there, but they, they do what they do there, and it is it is what it is. I, I find Brad's comments today, and I know we'll talk about Brad's interview with The Athletic today quite a bit this afternoon, but uh, the only Schroeder comment he had was, first of all, he's done a really good job. He's had a good year. He's done a really good job. As I told him in August, I want him to come here and be the best version of himself. Oh, shut he's up. Done that.
0: <laughs> shut up. He didn't say that. Yes, he did. Oh, crap. I missed it. He has been the best version of himself. And I think he has. Oh, uh, my God. Is he for the tro- most part. Is he trolling us? Again, it's not just the best version of himself. It's the only version of himself. And you could say, actually, he he's has... he's always done this? What you could say that he has actually um, suppressed some of his inner demons. I'm sure there's other destinations where he's felt even a greater burden uh, on himself. The Lakers. Or, yeah, or, exactly. Or he looks around the room and he's like it can't be me taking all the shots. This isn't the right environment for it. And so I. what's funny with Dennis, the one thing I'll say is I actually do think he gives the game what it needs in the sense of when he recognizes smart does this too, to some extent where smart but reco- Schroeder
1: has more weapons, to but do, Schroeder right? has arsenal. an
0: arsenal, right? Smart. Sometimes when he sees like nobody's creating shots smart, actually to his credit can create shots. He's just not a good shot maker, but he'll start to look for his offense at times when things are stagnating. He's just not very good at it. Um, and Dennis is. He's obviously extremely effective around the rim and getting to the basket, getting downhill. And then he's got that little pull-up. And then his three-point shooting has been far more efficient in the last uh, 10, 12 games than it has been over the season. So I think he's up around 36 or so percent for the year. thats You'll you will take that to the bank all day long if that's what you're getting out of Schroeder. Yeah, you know? and where he's shooting. Especially too? if the turnovers are down, too. You know, his assists are up. His turnovers are down. Uh, you'll absolutely take this around thirty five percent. but yeah,
1: seven of eleven in the second half was shorter. That's just yep. great. Yep. you you get efficiency like that from anybody and it's a luxury. never mind a guy who's making five million. So at this point, i I'm still kind of torn on it because there is some value to trying to keep him, isn't there? like there, there's if you have a chance to keep him around on even another one year deal, you know he's gonna be looking to cash in here. But say that opportunity isn't available to him, and say you have like a 15% chance to keep him, and it's that or a second-round pick, that's a fair trade-off there to look at. You know, you see how it goes through the end of the year. Maybe he ends up being a great fit here and loves it here and just sees himself being a scoring point guard next to Smart's defense and looking for some sort of a shake-up in between where you can get some shooting there. I don't hate taking it there if that's the goal. And certainly they would lose something by giving him up, I think, at this point. Just seeing what he's done over the last week or so here. uh, He's just a guy who can get buckets on a team where there aren't many buckets to be had. And he's been so critical in that regard. And it feels like he plays well off of Tatum and Brown. And it feels like him and Brown kind of have this relationship, at least seeing them in Iraq, that's, you know, kind of jovial. And it feels like he's comfortable here. Like, to contrast it against the Lakers last year, and I don't know how much you paid attention to that, he was, like, beefing with LeBron and, like, dropping these side comments about, like, the way things were functioning there and the offense and his role in it. And there's been none of that from
0: him this year. Like, yeah, He's you just know, been content. I mean, guys like Dennis sometimes have expiration, um, you know, uh, dates. He could. So that just happens sometimes, you know, where it's just uh, – <laughs> there you know that's it works for a bit and then it doesn't work and then that's kind of it you know but it's been bad here
1: so far especially on offense so you would think if there was an issue it would have come up by now and it hasn't and it's overall been a pretty effective efficient year for him so i don't think there really has to be like a smart versus rotor battle i know they haven't played well together over the last month or so here and it's an awkward pairing into the future if you do try to do something like that, but we're not talking about a team with a ton of flexibility to add stuff out into the future, especially good players. So if you have a chance to keep Schroeder at, let's say, $7 million a year, the max that they can keep him at without going into the uh, hard cap, full mid level territory right there.
0: All right, just want to remind everybody about our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy, new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022 new year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today receive your 50 welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code clns50 to get started from football basketball hockey, boxing, UFC, your Vegas favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Once again, that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit.
1: Give it a chance, you know. Like, listen, when he's playing like this, there will certainly be a market for him among teams with cap yeah, space over the offseason. But if you lose him, right yeah, then it is what it is. You had the experience, you missed out on maybe a second round or something, and uh, you you find someone new yeah. in that spot. Well, for let next me year. let
0: me let me ask you. We've done the Schroeder talk a lot, but I am curious. The uh, you know. Uh, I read the Brad Stevens article, and you, uh, Brad did an interview in The Athletic. We've been talking about we haven't heard much from – a couple things we haven't heard much from. We haven't heard much from Brad. Um, this is a much better Brad interview than what we've heard. I don't know. I I, I want your take <laughs> The bar first. was low, John. <laughs> I know. I want your take first. The – um the uh, and we've heard nothing from ownership. And so, uh, you know, because nobody can put this – puzzle together the, you know the pieces together whether or not um, you know, there's a mandate to not spend and, you know, they're restricted in what they can do and how that's hamstringing them. Nobody's going to say that. Brad's not going to say, I've been explicitly told I can't spend money because my owner is
1: cheap. And we know what Wick's going to say too. we and Wick's going
0: to say, oh, for the right thing, we would absolutely spend. We don't just want to do it frivolously, but we're here to contender and blah, 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 blah. blah." And, you know, we're, we're not- a sort ver- of what Brad's saying, right? We're not averse to spending money, but yeah. we're not doing it for the sake of doing it. But you know what? You should Which to be fair. That's what a lot of teams in the it's, league do. It is fine for the penalties. It shouldn't be for the money. I right. understand how it hamstrings you when you spend and then you don't have mid levels or then you can't do certain things. And it handy, it, you really kind of handcuff your own roster. So there are reasons why. And being repeat offenders and all of this stuff, I get it. But you should never do it just simply to shave a buck or two. Like, I, I, nobody should ever look at something and say, well, it's 8 million for this guy, but it's really costing me 16. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It, you, tax is tax, pay it. That's yeah. what you own the team for. Like we don't, nobody cares if you, how much money you make. Uh, I think
1: everybody feels that way. This,
0: this has to be a bit, this is, this is a game for, uh you know, it's a vanity play for billionaires. It's not meant to like for you to squeeze every last nickel out of the organization. It's, you you've just got to spend, and then you got to hope that the team wins. That's just how it works.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, like a lot of things in the country, it's just off the whims of what the rich guy is going to do here, and whether he wants to tighten up the belt a little bit. Yeah, but no, nope. I don't want to hear
0: rich guy and I don't want to hear rich guy and belt tightening in a sentence, whether it's basketball or the economy or jobs or friggin' Walmart. I I don't want to hear rich people tightening it's their unreal. belts. Because that's how people lose jobs and that's how fans get freaking pissed because you won't spend an extra nickel to have a competent, you know, a a decent wing shooter or, you know, uh, you know. Let me just say this. If if their
1: only deadline move is dumping Wancho, oh man, that's when you just crush ownership. Now, if you want to say this team doesn't want to start setting up a repeater tax thread into the future here, so you get under it this year with a move that sends out some salary bring some back in and all of a sudden you bring in a need by doing a salary matching play. See, this is where the TP doesn't help them this year. I don't think they're going to add a guy who makes 15 million pay tax on that 15 million. None of the guys that they can add via the TP are good enough to make that worth it. Now, if you send out your salaries here, like Wancho Schroeder,
0: but you're not uh, sending out salaries without sending out picks, you know? So that's what I don't, you know, that's the problem.
1: So That's where we're, gonna probably defer here i'm still pro giving up picks i think it's what you have to give up here we agree no rob right rob's gotten too good i think he's too important to the future here you can't give up smart because he's really only point guard you're probably not getting one back in a deal so what do you have to give up it's picks you gotta give up salary and picks to kind of go get what you need right now And in this interview where brad's just basically saying what we've heard he may say all year yeah i think the shooting's gonna get I better know.
0: It's It's borderline delusional. That's the thing. It is, yeah. So, so the interview, and again, if people want to read it, it's a subscription only. It's on the Athletic, but um, really, it's a Brad interview where it feels like it's a lot of the stuff that sounds exactly like what he is saying is I can't quite put my finger on the inconsistencies, but we have to clean them up. Oh yeah. We'd look to improve the team wherever, but not specifically there. I think we're much better at shooting than this. What about the late game meltdowns? You know, I don't know. It's a multifactorial thing. Like there's no answers and there's no real accountability there. And while I don't expect Brad to go start lighting fires and, you know, or setting everything ablaze and being like, it's this guy and this guy and this guy, it's neither a strong backing of the coach. I mean, he backed the coach, but it's, again, it's really l- letting the players off the hook. And again, this mentality that stuff is happening to the Celtics instead of the Celtics are doing those things, whether it's in their combinations of players they're playing, the type of offense they're running or not running, their stars we saw the shooting being at their highest level. Yeah, we've seen it, but there's always like, oh, you know, the shots aren't falling. That's because you're not good shooters. Oh, we're collapsing late. That's because your best players play at their worst when the game is on the line for whatever reason. This isn't accidental stuff. It's stuff that has that's an issue that you haven't quite figured out how to address. Like that, do you see the graphic they put up in the broadcast with the clutch numbers? Mm, no. Okay. So the Celtics clutch numbers uh on this season. Uh, and again, I don't have it all, but uh, I might even be able to pull it on the screen. Let me see if I can grab it. Um, it's probably pretty similar to fourth quarter numbers. uh, It's pretty bad. Hold on. I'll grab it. I think I can put it up for us. Um, it's, um, it's, it's not just bad. It's, it's, it's who is bad. Um, so let me see if I can pull this off of the broadcast here. Um,
1: Tatum second, certainly going to be part of that. Brown smart. I'd imagine. Okay. There we go. Wow! Look at Grant. That Grant. must be that all. That must be all from that Indiana but, win. <laughs> but look
0: at it. Look at the bottom. Al, who we basically said should never close a game, ever, 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 ever. Tatum, Smart, Brown. Your 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 core players are the worst at it. And yeah. again, they have the most opportunity. Uh, and overall, the team has been bad, and it's a collective effort. But it's Brown, Smart, Tatum are part of every closing lineup, and they are nice the job, with, Rob. Yeah they're we're the worst Some
1: positive uh yeah so this is what we're talking about with the lineups right you, you put tatum brown smart in a lineup machine shoot it out and you got a big plus plus right there and you're looking great and you're saying oh if we can get all these guys on the court together we're going to be looking good because the net rating's awesome there
0: well you look at crunch time where your best and again, players this, are out there, people are complaining about the sample size. Of course, there's a huge sample size difference. Grant has only closed a handful of games. He doesn't have a lot of clutch minutes total. No, so we're it's not, not saying like,
1: Grant and Rob and Schroeder are better than yeah. No. You know, you're but, just
0: saying the guys who are in the positions most most of the time are the ones who are the culprits. Of course, it's on them.
1: It's on it's them, them versus yeah. versus the other teams. The other best team's players. best players, and they're coming out And that's up when short. you and that's when you stack up who's best in the league Either when push comes to shove in the final minutes of these games and a few plays swing some things you're worse than most of the league right now more than half i would say in that spot so that's where you are as a team and that's where like we're gonna do all this finagling about shooting and depth and this and that i've said this over the last week or so here if you are just systematically failing in the big spots, your best players it doesn't really matter what you do you know you can bring in some shooting you can do this and that around the periphery of the roster but if tatum's turning the ball over in crunch time and smart's making some unwise decisions and brown's disappearing in second halves that's stuff that additions around the edge of the roster aren't gonna fix that's the core of the team that you would have to start asking questions about in the next offseason. i mean If this year ends and the fourth quarter crunch numbers are still like that, say they make a deadline addition and it doesn't change much, you you have to start questioning the core of the team because they did that last year too. I went back and looked at last year's numbers in the clutch in the fourth quarter. They weren't as bad. They were a positive team in the fourth. Uh, but there was a stretch late in the year when they were one of the worst defensive teams in the year where they were pretty dreadful in that spot too, leaning up to the playoffs. Uh, so it was in moments last year. It's certainly an offense defense thing. I think whoever goes out there and can get buckets in that spot is going to be the team that probably wins. You can't really just hold the line like you've talked about with John on defense. The other players are going to come through and hit some big shots against you. And yeah lose you a game in that spot uh so it's certainly i think tr- about shifting this team's identity a little bit more toward the offensive end which is going to be important to i think improving in those spots because it's execution right it's shot making it's all those things that yeah this team it comes struggles down to how do spots. you value
0: offense and you know me i'm not there's no formula for it but i'm saying you know for for every player I, i'm you know it you it's two parts offense, one part defense just in terms of value. You can't have the defense can't be so bad that you're like Isaiah Thomas where the other team is hunting you on possessions. The
1: Hawks, yeah. yeah.
0: You can't have that out there. So I understand some people, they're such liabilities doesn't matter what they do on the offensive end. You just need competent people. It's not like everybody they have now is playing such lights out defense. So you're right. You do need to sacrifice a little D because the offense is so deficient. They are a really good in,
1: defensive team though. For what yeah, but right. you
0: have to sacrifice a little because the offense is what's killing them because they stagnate so frequently and as you know as we've seen time and again why do they why you know why are the fourth quarter numbers so bad because when the other team <laughs> most teams don't play four quarters of defense when the other team amps up it's defensive pressure and that's and, where you're
1: looking at in the playoffs
0: and that's what happens in the playoffs and then, and then you fall apart you can't go against other teams best efforts and they get into their old habits and their iso stuff and they jack a lot of threes and One out of four games they go, but most times they don't, and that's why their record is as bad as it's been in those close games.
1: And we've seen when that goes against them, that's when the spiraling begins. You blow some possessions, the shot's not falling, and all of a sudden your defense is slipping again. So you fall apart on both sides of the floor. Let's make no mistake, they're a dreadful offensive team in the fourth quarter. Their defense is like Portland, New York, bad in the fourth as well. So that is something that goes out the window when your offense stagnates late. They're not a team that really – is gritty on the defensive end, where they're going to ride that out right to the finish line. Now, it's improved over the last week or two here against some weaker competition, as we've talked about. You've gotten some practice in those spots, which is important because you're not practicing. You're not doing all this other stuff to simulate those situations. So they're getting a little bit better at it. I think the Brown-Tatum stuff playing off each other is continuing even if it's not always evident and playing through Horford and just trusting some of the things offensively that they're trying to do here, especially against a drop defense like new Orleans that really, I think hampers this team, God forbid, they run into a zone down the stretch of the season. We've seen what they look like against zone defenses. So it's something where I think repetitions toward the end of the year, are going to have them looking better in these spots. It's just, are they going to be good in these spots? Cause right now they're just trying to climb out of being the worst of the worst in the clutch and in the fourth they can get to average but that still calls in the question how good they're going to be against a chicago a milwaukee a philadelphia in the playoffs i mean you could end up just getting swept because you play four good games and you'd fall apart in four fourth quarters so that is a massive massive question for this team and in the future do you have the ability to win games in key moments like you can go get harrison barnes you can go get jeremy grant or brogdonovich all these other guys they might hit a key shot or two for you down the stretch, but this is still about what can smart Brown and Tatum do
0: with the ball in their hands in key moments. Right. Yep. And um it's again, it's the you know falling falling into those patterns and habits where every every good stretch of offense we've seen from this team this year with the exception of the nights where they're lights out shooting which are few and far between are all based on ball movements and movement movement away from the ball it's all getting into their actions and getting the ball in in, in places where it's easier for them to score and then and then making quick decisions as soon as Tatum or Brown hold the ball for one or two seconds or once they get past three dribbles their numbers absolutely crater it, it just fall and most people's do but theirs drop off so significantly as, as soon as they start to hold it They wait
1: shot the clock enti-
0: too. the entire yeah. defense ho- waits and holds it you know and, and that's what drives me nuts and listen
1: the- your guy schroeder he's oh no he's no uh benefit in that regard he's not
0: but sometimes schroeder schroeder will do it too schroeder will realize at about the 14 second mark that The best chance we have is if I pull it back out and just beat my guy off the dribble because we can work it around, but we're already too deep. You know. You see him do that a bunch, and you're like, here he goes. He's setting up his guy for the ISO. I get it. That's what ISO players do. He's going to find himself in isolation, but he's also more successful than those guys are in isolation because he gets downhill faster. Uh, But it still drive you nuts sometimes because everyone else is standing around. It's like, okay, I guess it's Dennis's turn. So I can see where people will be like, well, so they all do it to some extent and there's sometimes where the situation calls for isolation you're late in the clock and you've got the ball in your hands great that's who you're supposed to be you're a shot maker jason tatum jalen brown go create a shot make a shot you know that that's why you get paid the big bucks but when they're successful is always move it move it move it move it get it in a good position and attack quick downhill every time they do that you see them score in bunches and then when they get away from it the, the offense just grinds to a halt. I, yeah. I don't understand how, when the, when, when the, when it's so clear what you're supposed to do and you see success to go away from it.
1: I don't understand it either. I wish I got a better explanation of it from the players, you know, yeah. like what, what, what draws you into that habit? And I guess what he may talked about is the fact that all of these guys have done this since that's what they school. do. It's just, that's so who they are. Them. Yeah. yeah. So that's, understandable it's tough to put yourself in that spot because we weren't stars you know we played a little bit of basketball there and did some things but sadly you you know who i
0: was when i played i was romeo
1: (laughs) i know um you're probably looking at brandon bass with me
0: i was romeo i i would go to the basket i could get wherever i wanted to go i wasn't a great finisher <laughs> yeah and my shot was pretty erratic i was i was romeo you know it's a it's a skill man those guys who can finish from different places and you know and get downhill and take the contact and all of those things um they uh you know it's that's why they get paid the freaking big bucks that's where tatum is faltering this year um it's tatum is just not making enough shots
1: barreling to the rim. Now it's interesting, but he's
0: just, he's not a good enough shot maker right now. So he is absolutely best getting all the way to the rim. The in-between stuff is bad. The contested stuff is bad. And his three point shooting is garbage this year. So right now, the only thing that works for him is getting downhill.
1: Yeah, or running out on the break or doing the little things that they can do to overcome their offensive deficiencies. The, the problem is, and this is the contrast of the team building and the coaching right now that I think is interesting, you have this mentality from the coach's side that, you know, these are elite guys, we're going to help them really playmaking these spots and play a style in the half court that can help them win come playoff time and help them become great players. We can do all these little things like run the floor or, you know, just different gimmicky stuff in the regular season that's going to work and help us out and be a little bit better there. But he may is drilling like those things that are really going to help them out come playoff time in terms of running sets and being great in the half court and those different things, making quicker half court decisions, the things you were just talking about, yeah. John, not bringing it to the shot clock where everybody's bad, just like dribbling too much in those spots too. Yeah. The contrast with the front office, and this is what worries me about this Brad interview most, is that I don't think they're giving – these guys the personnel to do this most effectively now you want to see them be better with less talent and make the most of this but at the same time if you really want to maximize this big picture plan of tatum and brown being the playmakers and everything else happening around them you want to consolidate this a little bit you want to like stack up some of these guys on the bench that are just doing nothing into one player who can help you or swap out a non-shooter for a shooter in that spot. Like, you just think of some of these teams like Milwaukee and Philadelphia. They want to do things around Giannis and Embiid, and they built their rosters to do those things. The Celtics are just kind of in this limbo of, like, wanting to hold the line on these young guys, and maybe they'll pan out, and, you know, we got our picks that we can maybe use at some point, and if we can swing for the fence on a big deal, we'll do it, but we're not going to impact talent around the edges of this roster going back three four years now really i think this team and we saw it a little bit with fournier last year i don't know how you're going to react to this john but like if you just consolidate a little bit for one guy one starting level guy one playmaker or shooter who can be reliable in terms of the way you coaching Again, his team, you can be a sure. lot more effective. You're back
0: to you're back to the Harrison Barnes conversation. If you were able to get, if you were able to convince somebody that you had you had stuff worth taking, somebody believed in Neesmith and you know whatever and and picks and said that's good enough. I'll take that plus uh, an expiring or plus a deal. You know, uh, if if you can get that, you would yes, you'd sell everything. You you know then you stop with this nonsense to play the kids like that's where I keep coming back on I'm playing the kids play them and figure out if again it's not just play them to figure out if they're good your most likely path to success is either developing players you have now or drafting new let's just talk Romeo it's it's much more likely I I believe and again I do not think Neesmith and Romeo have star or even starter written on them however I believe if Tatum and Brown both went down with injuries and you were forced to start those guys and did at the end of the year we'd feel much more positively about them than we do now because you'd be like you would they would be allowed to fail and you would see some real shit games and they would lose a ton but you would all of a sudden see things that you hadn't seen before because they'd have no choice training wheels are off you're starting, you're playing 37 like, minutes a that'd game. That'd be like
1: this much silver lining if Tatum and Brown were injured. I'm just saying
0: if you knew the season was down and those guys had if Brown went down with a hamstring, we're not talking about like debil- debilitating injuries lingering in the next year. But if you ended up in a year where like those guys were out and you had to start the those guys, kind of whatever thing with Brown, yeah. That's and again, that's where we were last year. I was half praying for Tatum to tweak something when Jalen and just let the guys play and just oh, take tank, so tank the season,
1: you know. That was so devastating losing Brown. because you did the upside play, and you were still. They will show good. you
0: things. This is again, you might not see a ton, but I mean, how many teams are forced to play guys who are their caliber a lot of minutes because they don't have anything else and they develop developing their rookies is super important. So they gotta give them a year or two to see if they pan out. You that's so, yeah, you're that's, in a
1: tricky spot.
0: That's what you've honestly, never done, you know?
1: You're pretty deep into this when it comes to let's forget Carson who they gave massively leeway to on that roster spot before they just ended up dumping him. Uh, Grant who's gotten a little bit better, but you know, isn't really a high level player or, or and um, we're talking Romeo too, at this point, I want to focus on Romeo specifically because these Smith it. and Pritchard are still early enough in their careers where in a year or so you could maybe be looking at them as better players just through the repetitions and development behind the scenes brad talked about that being valuable as much as playing time whatever romeo at this point is extension eligible at the end of this year he's going into the fourth year of his contract which is going to be about six million here and you know at this point like he is kind of who he is like you know i like some of his defensive attributes and He's had a few stretches where he's hit some shots, and it looks like he can be a decent cutter here. He had that good game against Phoenix, but is Romeo really becoming something at this point? Is he part of the plan? That's why I look at it at this deadline, making a choice on a guy like that. Because let's say in a year and a half, Romeo is who he is now, and he just leaves, or he's just gone. Like That's a $6 million salary right there that... You just never used, and it's a roster spot that you never flipped out, and you just held the line there for four years on a guy that didn't do anything.
0: Romeo is almost out of time. Yeah, so this this
1: deadline—that's what I look at. Like, can you stack a Romeo salary, which is actually a decent size at this point, and a Wancho, which is seven million, and like, there's just so much money here on your bench that's going to go to waste at at the end of this year. That I think if you package a pick or two with those things and consolidate this a little bit you're not like overflowing with picks like the Danny Ainge or just Yabusole and Rob on those benches and Roger and just all this different stuff that you never used back then but you still have a lot in terms of money and you still have a lot in terms of picks here that you can just package a little bit to help you now and into the future if you get a guy who has an extra year on his contract like Barnes uh, like Bogdanovich, who I think has two more years beyond this on his contract, and I really think—I know you don't have a lot of hope for a deal, John—but with all these teams focused on Simmons, you just saw the Hawks do it with the Reddish trade. They want a pick so they could flip that toward their Simmons efforts. Uh, you know, could you give a Sacra, uh, Sacramento two more picks? You know, toward the Simmons efforts. The killer there is that Philly doesn't want picks, so you're not really helping out a team all that much by sending them extra picks for them to flip and turn toward that Simmons stuff. That's the tricky spot you're in right now. But I just think if you go into this deadline and you don't swap out young players, or if you don't consolidate a little bit and try to get a shooter, even swing for a little bit of a bigger move that changes the core yeah. of this roster, so th- this it's more com- wasted
0: time. This comment here from Dave D is exactly how I feel. It just sounds like kicking the can down the road even further. You know, that's like and- the time's an asset, right? You're wasting time, but that's the thing is like, I didn't get Smart's extension, um, because I didn't get the motivation behind it. We talked about this on our chat the other day, Bobby, I can't tell. And I'm curious what the, what the, what the viewers think about this too, and throw it in the comments guys. Uh, I can't tell if the motivation behind smart was lock in an asset because um, really it came down to Smart versus Fournier. So I think they had the lock-in one because they didn't want that money to disappear. It's not like if you don't spend it, you can use it. They wouldn't have been able to use it. So I understand locking in an asset. Did they identify Smart as somebody who at that money, it would be someone that they could move down the line if they needed to? Or did they think this is part of our core group and we want to move forward with him and this is what he's worth to us and we like this deal for him. But then... By doing so, they also really lock themselves in for what they can do in a year or two years with this deal. Some money could have come free if they went super lean and didn't re-sign Marcus uh, when Al came off the books. But now they're locked in on it. So I'm curious, halfway through year one of this new deal, how do they feel about it now? And how do you guys feel about it now? Was this a good deal? Was this a bad deal? Is this a movable contract? You know, how Do the Celtics still want him? um here I'm not sure it's tricky because I know I, I don't people... know because his his numbers his defense is better than it was last year but his 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 offensively he's down this year he's having a he's having a worse year um around, across the board yeah and he is pushing
1: toward 30 at this point he's so pushing do... towards
0: 30 and and right now and it's, it's more not, money now it, right now it's not an f but the Marcus Smart as the as the point guard experiment is okay but also clearly the thing that most people are pointing to and saying needs an upgrade and And i don't know how you do that
1: i I always said this about the deal and every extension you got to get better if you're going to make more money over the length of a deal just for the cap reasons involved you don't just give a guy extra money and hope that he stays the same like that's that's not good team building it, it almost just felt like you had to pay him the price you did to get an extension, you had done. to do it. And remember, yeah. he was talking like, "Oh, I didn't even want to take the extension." But this makes you know, sense. I better, to, better
0: to pay a little than to, to have him go for for nothing. But I don't know if he's movable. Yeah, that's. I the think key, I think right? I think you're I think you're married to him. That's the thing is, you. So and that might have been at, their at thinking. the thinking to- at the time. Did they think this is movable because it's decent money for a good player, or are they now realizing crap? We signed him to a deal, and he's we're, we're married to him now. We can't get off of this.
1: I think it goes back to not wanting to lose another NBA starter for nothing. That's got to be the core of it. Yeah. And you had to do it at the price that you did because I don't think he would have done it for any less. Uh, now, whether you could have brought him into that off season, you didn't have restricted rights on him this year. So maybe if he was furious and he just didn't like how you handled the extension negotiations, he just leaves for even less somewhere. That's probably the fear there that was underlying that. But there was also a thinking that it was a matchable contract, a medium-sized deal that you didn't have much of before. You like putting that on the table, but the movability of it's key because here's the thing about did they just like him and did they just want to commit to him long-term you, you wouldn't have brought in Schroeder in that case. You know, you wouldn't have hedged on your point guard situation and had sort of a two-headed monster there.
0: Well, um, I don't know that Schroeder was a – look, you had nothing. Look, I, and – I'm just coming it, from the thinking of it. It's, it's very clear that they didn't think uh, Neesmith was an answer. And what is going on? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Bobby, you're solo for two seconds. <laughs> just vamp.
1: Yeah. No, my, my thinking on the smart contract is that it probably was something that they wanted to match. Yeah, sorry. They yep. they wanted to have other teams be able to package up with other
0: deals for a big move down the line. But uh, the smart the Schroeder thing to me was twofold. One, they 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 were lacking. NBA talent again the drop-off was really big it was obvious they didn't view Pritchard as the number one backup to Marcus Smart he wasn't going to come in there and run that run that team and really I think Schroeder just happened to be out there if anybody of the equivalent talent at any position was still around and willing to play here for five million they grab him you know they weren't specifically targeting point guard Schroeder was just you know this was you know the lights came on at the bar, you know, and yeah. you're looking around and you're like, who's left, you know, and that's what happened there is, Oh, that doesn't look so bad. You know, five million. And that's what happened with Schroeder. He was, it was the last best thing left standing and it fell into their lap. I'm torn on smart. I've, I've never had a good gauge of whether he has good
1: value around the league, but they just like him a ton and they've held on to him. Yeah. You
0: know how head. I feel. I always feel like he's way more useful here than, than so it could than be. Than both. There. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, has, so, he has more use and value to them than he does out, And that might be true in the else. future.
1: You know, yeah. maybe he's not the guy that you're going to trade here. Maybe it's picks. Maybe it's Rob at some point down the line. I mean, as he becomes more and more valuable there, he could almost end up being the centerpiece of a deal down the line. I don't know if you want to necessarily give it up, given the upside. No, that again, here. the
0: upside in the contract now, Rob is a real piece, you know? Um, and so, yes, would you conser- would you consider rolling him up into something really good? Yeah, that's why – I mean, his development – That's that what was, you hope for. That. That's why I wanted to sign – it. that's why I said extend him at all costs last year. You're – Because it'll hurt you more not to. Chances are he's going to outplay the deal and he'll be of such value. A guy way outplaying a contract like that at his age still with potential is either the greatest friggin' steal for you or a really good chip for someone else. So again, the Rob thing is the only good thing that's happened to this team uh, in the last little bit because he's developed into something that either is going to be of tremendous value to you at what you're paying him or you might be able to roll up into something else potentially. He's not good enough on his own yet but he starts to get interesting and intriguing for some teams who might be looking for something like that especially if his game evolves uh, you know a little further a little more yeah you just rob had a people are asking why rob didn't play today personal reasons it looked like and i'm not sure if it happened it looked like his uh uh he was about to become a father for the second time Uh, i'm not sure what had happened with that but he put something on his instagram and that was what was hinted at um, mm-hmm. So people are asking why I know Rob today, personal reasons. I think he's a dad. I think he's a daddy daddy yeah. times two today.
1: And he could end up missing another game way this week with that. It's usually a little, little, little family time there. And sometimes it hasn't happened
0: yet. I know, you
1: know Chris, Chris Duarte, missed both in uh, both of the Celtics Pacers games uh, last week. So, you know, when you don't know. have
0: to tra- when you don't have to travel, it's much easier to just get to the garden and then just get back to the in. hospital. Yep. Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna run home and get some toothpaste and stuff, honey, and I'll be right back. You know, I'm just gonna run over to the garden, block block six or seven shots, maybe threaten a triple double, and I'll be back. Yeah, I don't. Plus, those hospital beds are that. not you, uh, you, dude. You know, if you're my size, sleeping in those friggin' things is bad. And I and I'm barely six feet. Rob, Rob is not fitting into one of those frigging so, sofa cots at the Brigham. You know. Yeah,
1: Rob, get a break from uh, fatherhood and come play against the Hornets on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. I'm, right. I'm- I'm sure you can catch a nap in the garden pre-game. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the uh, toddler comes
0: out with all the dreads.
1: Is it a boy? I, I, I didn't know. catch I that. I, I was going to look for that earlier, but uh,
0: do yeah. they even put, do they even put a time of birth on his, uh, on his birth certificate?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Rob. Yeah, Rob. Uh, Rob's growth as a per We don't. We don't talk a lot about people on here and just like the personalities and stuff. I love kind of meeting his family and learning more about him over the off season. He's just like a cool dude. It seems he like. is man, his, and his daughter's so cute. Like remember that little clip of her like saying "daddy" and chasing him down yeah. the TV. That's no, the I stuff mean... we're missing now with how bad the team is. Like if they were good. Like, all that endearing stuff would be, like, pumped up, like, with the weird Celtics. COVID hurts, stuff, too, because yeah. you're just not
0: seeing them out and about and kind of doing things the way you normally would do. So, you do lose a lot of personality that way. It's you just have...
1: a grind of a time. I dude. mean, you remember, it's we'd be walking involved. around the third
0: floor and you see the families coming in and out and blah, blah, blah. It's totally different. Um, yeah, totally different now. But these last I... three seasons have just stunk.
1: Not just because of the Celtics, but, like, the league as a whole is just not the same with everything that's gone on. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, Anyway, best to Rob. No, best to Rob. And again, to me, it's, I'd love to see. uh, um, I have come around on Rob, absolutely. I'd love to see uh, a year of true development. Because again, as big a Rob guy as I am, I'm going to say that I don't think he had a great off season. I don't think he put in the work. I don't think he put in the work on his body. I don't think he put on the work on his game. And it took him about 20 games into this year to finally start looking like himself. And you see what he can do just rolling out of bed and playing basketball. I, I, if he committed to his body and his game in a real way for an entire off season, I really want to see what it's coming back. I was hopeful this year. And when I saw him coming back, I'm like, he doesn't look like he put in a lot of work, you know? Uh, and in fact, I think he did the opposite. I think he just put on bad weight. And I
1: found it interesting. We were talking about development a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, oh, Rob developed on this team if we're thinking of guys who develop, but he really didn't. No,
0: you know, he he sort he's the of- same step- guy. He's just <laughs> natural. He's a natural at, at the stuff and, that he and does you know, well. He- he's good at it
1: and he caught up to the speed of the game and stuff like that. And the defensive intricacies and
0: listen, I think they're good
1: at developing guys on defense. They've certainly made a number of players better on that end, but in terms of implementing guys under the offense here, we're looking at a long string of guys that haven't worked out. So I do think as uh, Bill Simmons tweeted out there during the game today, that it is fair to start looking at this team's developmental record under this Regime in particular. And, you know, there's sort of a split here between Ainge and Brad, but I think a lot of the same thinking and a lot of the same people in the front office and a really similar coaching approach, I think, that we're seeing under Emei at this point uh, just sort of strings that along. They have not really upped anybody's game since Jalen. And that's sort of Jalen taking that on himself, I would think, to a large degree. If it's just on everybody here to kind of do the things that they need to do in the off season, and there's not really kind of a team-wide effort on ramping up these game guys games and expanding them and yeah. uh, just adding different layers to I their game this from
0: daniel too rob's taking coaching better this year but yeah
1: um that, yeah so that, the, that's what i'm really curious about is like what's kind of gone wrong with a lot of
0: the development here because romeo's largely the same and- it's all time there's two things one you wonder I don't know, you know, like I said, it's the NBA is different, you know, than the the than, than other leagues. A lot of players go off and they do their own thing and they're, they're largely trusted too. This isn't like the NFL where you've got multiple checkpoints and OTAs and the people coming in and a real regimen and you go into and you're expected to do X, Y, and Z in the weight room. And there's expectations. The off-season is- But some conti- teams make themselves different in that regard. I know, but the off-season should be a continuation of your job, which is basically like, it shouldn't, you shouldn't hope rob comes back having lost six percent body fat and added you know uh you know fit 10 pounds of muscle you should plan for it with a nutritionist and a program and if you don't follow it you're not doing your job much like and going does he up. have that
1: great trainer like yeah, I, or...
0: I, again i don't know but it's much like anything else or just simply say but i mean it's kind of like the off season is the off season oh what did you guys do you know staying around the team being here taking that help doing those things i think is important i know rob was around a little bit so i'm not saying he completely took off but someone like him who's this young i don't think should have that difficult a time getting into killer shape and getting himself physically right because sometimes he does look like it's a conditioning issue sometimes it did look like at the beginning of the year there was a weight issue Um, the killer
1: for him too is he's like you know even if he gets really really good here he's probably on the outside of that usa thing which i think is a big deal for some people as well that's never really been his thing there he wasn't on like the youth usa circuit yeah even the aau thing for him wasn't like a natural leap like that was something he did late in high school that he was hesitant to do he didn't really want to leave home and yeah you know he's just been sort of leaning on this like insane athleticism for so long and it's taken yeah. him to this height which is just wild now he's got also strange,
0: skills down. strange instincts. Like, you know, the, 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 the passing it's unreal. His, some of that <laughs> stuff is he has, it's actually high basketball IQ stuff at times and also zero basketball IQ stuff at times, or just lack of discipline to remember the thing that you're supposed to do. But some stuff is so instinctive to him uh, and some stuff you're like, what are you doing, man? You know, I like, know
1: uh, Nick loves this idea and I saw Alex Kangu tweeted uh, before the game can you get him with KG? Like, would that be a thing? Would that, like, for an offseason? Is that part of, like, KG's thinking here, uh, you know, want to be close to the team with Pierce, as they talked about, uh, with Max, and it, just that whole thing. That I don't know if that matters, but it's an idea, right? Like, yeah. just having him with somebody with some pedigree and who has worked with young players in the past. I know the Rockets have done stuff like that with Hakeem, and, you know, players certainly have their trainers, but just something beyond going home and hitting the gym or being in the practice facility and putting some shots up and lifting some weights over the off season. Like there's gotta be something better to add a layer to his game. If they're going to lean on him to be like the big third piece in that, if he stays the same, he'll be a helpful role player, but there is a ceiling here. I think we're starting to glance at that says he could be like Brown Tatum and Rob, that could be like your big three. And he's going to have to add layers to his game from a shooting, dribbling and uh, scoring perspective that, Make him a more versatile offensive threat,
0: no doubt about it. No doubt. Um, I'm looking, and it would be a
1: bummer if he doesn't because, man, you're just starting to see how high he could get in that echelon of NBA centers and just NBA players as a whole. Because not many people do as many things from the center spot as him. I was adding it up, it's like Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, probably Bam, and then he's like the fifth guy who just does everything from the center spot. Yep. Yeah. And, Towns. Yeah, you, want, you, you know, to... he's even better than Towns defensively. He's way better.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's – there again, it goes back to what we talked about with Rob last year. There's uh, there's game-changing uh, – there's game-changing aspects to his game. And Wednesday's me, a big night for him if he gets know, out there. What did I say the most last year is I don't think we're waiting Rob's def- deficiencies – uh it's a false equivalency pointing out the few things Rob doesn't do well, not recognizing that the things he does well, he does at such an elite level that not only, you know, value over replacement player, it's value over any player. There are certain things he does that most, that no humans can do. And so like those things are so to be, you know, he does that. No one else would do those things. So pointing out while he was late on this and late on that, I just didn't think did justice to his game because we weren't recognizing like no one does that, but him, no one can do what he's doing right now with some of this stuff with his hands, the deflections, the block shots, his gravity, all of those things. It is game changing. It's just still incomplete. There's so many aspects of his game that are incomplete. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of what we're, you know, we're still waiting for. That time when he shows up and all of a sudden he has a face-up game, you know? And he's not afraid to square up and take a jumper, jumper, or take a dribble or two. Well, get ready. Or drop or drop step. We're talking basic stuff, you know? A simple drop step, a spin spin on the baseline, a little baby hook, you know, just something where he's able to do that would would open up his game in such a ridiculous way.
1: Well, he's he's had kind of his coming out party against the pelicans and that espn special last year where he was blocking zion in overtime and then the nine block game in the playoffs i think was when everyone got a good look at him wednesday against the hornets a huge game for both teams and a game where he could possibly be out there who knows on espn is a huge moment for him because when we look at what he's done over the last couple of weeks here the consistency i believe i uh, brad talked about this well as well in the um Interview with the athletic. What he's piecing together over an extended stretch here of weeks is unlike anything we've seen from him before. And it, like, I think people are going to notice on Wednesday, it's a good matchup for him. Charlotte's pretty weak in the middle, they're small uh, between the rebounding, passing, finishing, and defensively, all the ways he's able to deter what offenses want to do. I think a lot of people are going to tune in on Wednesday and be like, wow, there's something happening in Boston with this guy. And it, he's had a few of those moments, but even in the playoffs against Brooklyn last year, he wasn't nearly as good as this. This is this is what um, Brad said about him with the athletic. Um, I thought that's when – all right. I think a guy that keeps ascending, which you could see this coming over the last couple of years, really ever since our practice is in the bubble, I thought that's what it – when he uh, just took a totally different leap and step is Rob Williams. I'm so encouraged by his progress. When people talk about guys that are about the team and only want to win, that usually you know exactly what you're getting. I think Rob's at the top of this list. I think our last six games since we lost to New York, he's been awesome. I usually don't say that without really looking at it, but those six games, I've seen a different level of consistency to his game. He's always made, sometimes I think we overreact because every team has guys that can do things and make the highlight film. The NBA is pretty good in that regard, but sometimes we all just look at the highlights of what he can do, blocking shots or dunking. Whatever he wasn't playing as well as that would indicate until the last period of time, and then I think he's just been awfully, awfully good. So high praise from
0: Stevens, who as we know was pretty tough on him as a coach, I mean again, it's uh <laughs> you know so much of uh Stevens on 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 Rob we talked about last year a lot uh and uh, this was a big thing for me was he was so slow to recognize it um and then, as we said, and again, Bobby, has anybody here talked about the limitation on his minutes in order to preserve him for the length of the year with that <laughs> bu- with that bullshit that we friggin bought last year garbage, yeah. right? I mean, uh, yep. this again. Stevens, after the fact, said, well, we've been slow playing his minutes because we want to make sure we have him for the – no, 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 no. Took him about 40 games to recognize this guy should be playing the most on this team. And it hurt them in the early going because, you know, that double big lineup with Tyson Thompson, oh, my God. If you think you hate double big now, oh, (laughs) take out Allen, take out Allen Robb and put in Tyson Thompson and run that for, you know, 30 games or so and see how you feel about it. That was the height of awful.
1: Yeah, um, and then on the other hand, like he, he sort of used that slow Rob ascent to defend the limited minutes that Romeo, Neesmith, Payton have gotten there. And certainly they haven't shown the flashes that Rob did. Uh, but it is a similar line of thinking that even if he started to see a little bit from Pritchard, gonna get buried here the only other thing out of this interview i thought was interesting is he sort of endorsed pritchard's recent play is almost an expectation that he's got to continue to play here even when they're healthy he thinks that you have to mix them in and that he's shown enough over the last week or two here to really be part of the rotation even when shorter and smarter healthy and you saw that again here i didn't think he had a great game um he's pretty limited when he's just out there for 10 11 minutes or so uh which doesn't get you all that excited about what he's going to look like when the full picture's in place, but his, his spacing's important out there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would do
0: zero points minus it, it just, just again, it's, you know, it's, it's you got to start another guy. It's like Nisa. Yeah. you
1: come in and take a shot, what I are you know, doing?
0: I know you got to start the problem with Pritchard. is the guy who needs the ball in his hands a lot, um, you know, or he has the ball in his hands. And I don't know if that's the, If you want to be the, if you want the offense to be the Peyton Pritchard show, it's nice every once in a while when he kind of gets into those roles, he just doesn't do it enough, but you're, you need anybody who's a floor spacer. Yeah. I just don't know what lineups you're playing Pritchard in when he's not the primary ball handler, you know? So he's not a spacer as much as a guy who's just got the ball in his hands. I
1: make him the two next to Schroeder. I know, but then,
0: then, uh, you know, that it's, it's. It's better to play him alongside a point guard than to play Schroeder and Smart together because you have zero—not zero, but worse shooting by a, by a by a good bit. So it's still just an imperfect lineup because he's just this little guy, and you know you don't love it out there. You know, it's so
1: flawed could... offensively, though. At some point, like they, you, you can just imagine them playing out this year and liking their defense and having a good month here and just blowing through the trade deadline with what they're doing here. But it's going to be such a slog. And you don't really see them taking that many steps. If they just play this out the way that they're doing it right now, like they're just going to sort of be in the same spot at the end of the year. I don't like, do they understand the standings and like where they're going to end up here? Probably you're going to play just a dominant opponent in the first round. And, you might feel good about how you do there, but in terms of like what Brad's talking about here with playing for championships, you're so far from that point. Like you just have to be good before you can even do that. And right now you're not a good team. I think you've talked a little bit about this, John, but their mentality never changed from those Eastern Conference finals runs where they were like the front runners here. And it feels like just a few injuries and COVID and like maybe one guy leave and knock them off a little bit, but they're really not that far from that spot. But we watched night it's in all, night out yeah, and it, they are miles from the bubble.
0: It, it's almost like the aging uh, athletes mentality of remembering what you could do and not realizing what you can do, you know, in your mind, you're one thing, but in reality, you're something else, you know? And like, if you viewed them as, if What's you viewed
1: them as one
0: organism, there's still the attitude and the ego. I mean, I mean, one thing, maybe the thing that drove me more crazy, crazy. uh than than anything last year was the tristan thompson quote of like we're we're in it for bigger things oh yeah oh my god you are a mediocre team 500 teams don't get to say oh we're playing for something bigger than this that's why we and there's not that level of buster but that's sort
1: of how Ime and brad look at it so
0: they 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 do it in the sense of it's all it's like denial like but we're the celtics you know and that's gonna kill them because yeah. they're
1: not going to be able to do the stuff that they need to do to get out of this hole. Listen, like you can just imagine them at the podium again at the end of the year being like, oh, this guy got hurt and... They, you know, we've had a few tough breaks in a couple of these games, losing in five to Brooklyn yeah. or whatever it's well, it be. Just
0: Stuff, just weird stuff happened to us, you know. But next year it'll be better, you know. And here we are again, you know. We're celebrating at the top of the show, 45 games into the season. The first time they ticked above 500 since December 7th. Um, I wanted to pull up real quick, Bobby. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was talking to the media. Um He was asked about his – uh you know his kind of roller coaster sort of ride. I'm told he didn't love it. So let's just let let's listen in real quick. <laughs> in Philly, you have one, and with uh, the night before, the game before in, in Indiana, he had 23.
1: It seems like you've kind of been up and down a little bit. Are you starting to feel comfortable? Like, are you feeling you know, the COVID protocol? You've had a lot of things happen this season. Are you <laughs> starting to feel a little
0: bit of comfort in the offense and just kind of being you with
1: you at us, or you at Philly?
0: No, I'm just asking. You a Boston? Oh, I covered the Celtics. Oh, okay. I'm
1: yeah, just I asking if you you're next you're, question. If you're com- if you're comfortable feeling any more comfortable over the last couple games. It's Just a stupid question. No, my fault. I mean, are you feeling any more comfortable? How did you feel you played today? Not good enough for you, huh? No, I just I'm asking about oh. the bounce back. I mean, we won. That's all that matters. I'm a team player. So, at the end of the day, if I got 40 points or one point and win the game, uh, I'm going to be happy with it. So, at the end of the day, uh, I'm a team player, try to win some games. And in Philly, we didn't come out right. We played terrible. And that's it.
0: Thank you, Dennis. Okay. Thank you, Dennis. Okay.
1: I, I, I so know Dennis, was- clap back. You can tell he's been hearing a little this bit. This is not
0: just the. This is, again, that question is reflective of this attitude towards him, which I've I've been saying all year. I find it so perplexing. He'll go three on one off, and people talk. That's not a roller coaster. It's not equal parts up and down. Yeah, he's, that
1: is a weird. Way to he's look. He's
0: mostly playing well, and especially late, it's not one on. He had one bad game in Philly, but. That was two games ago. He's coming off a a really solid eight-assist game followed by a 23.9-assist game, and you're going two games back and saying, remember two games ago when you weren't good, but you were the game before that? So three out of the last four, you've been excellent. But, boy, are you starting to feel comfortable? Like, what are we talking about? Like, he's had, if if you stacked up his game logs, he's had... 30 good games, 10 bad games. It's not one in one. That's the But the mentality is, Oh, what, one night he's, he's not un- getting
1: treated fairly. He one is night not.
0: it's unplayable. And the other night he's, it's so weird. It's, it's per- everywhere. I have, ca- it's not just here. I have cash. I have conversations with, with my casual friends. And the first thing they'll say is, I don't know about Schroeder, man. And I'm like, that's your takeaway, you know, but that it, he is a magnet for that. He's it is he's oh, such a polarizing like, figure. It's it's become an echo chamber. And again, like I know I'm the negative. Did you see guy his body language? He was like, as soon as he started getting asked, he's like, "I wish he didn't have a mask on." He's like, uh, oh, here we and go." But well, yeah. even
1: in the Brad interview in the Athletic, it's like I think Jay asked a question that was like, "Oh, you're getting rid of Dennis at the deadline, right?" And Brad was like, "You know, I don't really talk about a guy's future." And that was when he gave Dennis the praise that he did there. I guess there's just this consensus and this is really where NBA coverage is gone. It's in the, it's in the cap sheets and it's in, you know, just the outlook and we we've all said it. Yes. There's not a great, there's not a great chance that Schroeder's part of this team into the future. So that sort of runs down into, all right, they need to make a move on him. All right. He's really not a part of this team right now. So it's easy to blame everything on him and it's easy to, just but, send him packing at the end of the day, which seems like it's going to be the move. But the, the, like I've said, it, let's just look at it this year in a vacuum. Uh, forget the yeah. contract. Forget – is he a good fit on the team
0: and is he helping them? He's helping like them. It. He's helping them. That You point out the times where the fit didn't work, but he has helped them immensely – immensely this year. I, I would credit him single-handedly with three or four wins. And I'm, I question whether they would, have there's another two, three games. They would have lost if he wasn't there either. Huge, huge swing. Listen,
1: everybody has a home, you know, some guys get bounced around the league
0: a little bit and they can't find the right spot. I don't think and... there's a lot of games they've lost entirely because of Schroeder, you know, like oh, no, there's moments know, where he feeds in moments. The he drives you crazy. Doing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And he's not really a solution to what they need but he's it's more good good than
0: bad he's still a maddening player because he's got his tendencies but you know what let's put it this way jason i mean tatum and brown and smart are maddening players for their for what they do sometimes but when the good clearly outweighs the bad you you just recognize it's part of the package you know but when the as soon as the pendulum starts to swing then you can start to say okay there you know russell westbrook is that guy The Russell Westbrook experience at his peak is, yeah, there's going to be turnovers. He's not a terrific shooter. You know, sometimes he's going to take his teammates out of the game. But holy crap, sometimes you just get out of his way and he takes over a game. And then as he gets less and less effective, now you start to really look at, hone in on the stuff that's bad because the bad is clearly outweighing the good. We're not there with Dennis. The good has outweighed the bad. He's definitely an imperfect player. But I even think his defense has been well, much better than what people give it credit for. He'll have some lapses and some gambles and some times where he's not in the right position. But overall, I actually think he's done a pretty good job. He's pesky. He gets up on guys. He picks them up early. I, 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 I don't think that that's. I think that the the the, the knock on him defensively has been a little bit, a, a little bit slanted too.
1: He's played a lot, and they're still a top five defense, so he's part of the picture there in terms yeah. of the success they've had. He's not killing you.
0: That's the point. They talk he's about not him Kemba. like he's Kemba, they in talk about him, him like he's Kemba, and he's not, he's not. He's not. He's not smart either. But he's much closer to smart than Kemba, you know. And let's just think about that. We're projecting forward on Schroeder, but let's look back.
1: You had Kemba last year, who could only play every other night. It was this massive defensive liability and an inefficient guy? All of a sudden, you don't have much flexibility. You flip out Kemba. You still have this big, massive cap hold on the sheet from Horford, so you can't really go out and get a point guard. So you get this gift of a guy who is, one, able to get out there every night. Uh, two, pretty efficient, You know, 44% from the field, 35% from three, 85 from the line shooting four a game, and doesn't kill you defensively. He's probably just a neutral in that regard. So you look at the numbers this year, five assists a game, three rebounds a game. It's all who he's always been and this team more than others needs the stuff that he brings so I sort of look at it as and I know money's going to be part of the equation here but if you're limited in what you can offer him and he really likes the spot and he has a big role here let's remember the role part of it is there money out there for him elsewhere sure. Um, but is there a role like he has in Boston where he's playing 30, 35 minutes a night? I think that's the reason why he's I don't know, if, I don't know if there
0: is or isn't. If he's a – but that doesn't even matter. was well, this Bobby. year? If he's a one-and-done rental, I'm still the Dennis Schroeder experience was more positive than negative. That doesn't mean he couldn't tank. You could go through a stretch of bad Dennis, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, starting to hurt, starting to kill you now. That's possible. It just hasn't happened enough yet. It's been more good than bad, but he's being judged – just for the bad performances and, and, and people forget about the good ones. It's the opposite of what happens with Tatum and Brown. And I know Tatum and Brown are your stars and people love them and they've been around. So they deserve more leeway, but the best analogy of all is uh, Jimmy's uh, where he says, you know, Celtics fans and media, you know, it's like, Brown, Tatum, and Smart are their children and they can do no wrong. It's I don't like some- the way, yeah. It's it's always somebody else's fault. It's the system. Oh, the schools, uh, the school system, or oh, the coach was bad, and that's why my kid wasn't playing. Like, oh, the teammates don't pass. Like, it's everybody else, except you know, and so you gotta put it out, take it out on somebody, so they take it out on the new guy. And Schroeder has no rope. Rob was that guy last year because he wasn't in the club yet. You know Rob what's good was getting- though. Rob was getting killed for the same exact way Dennis was, for the small blips, and people were ignoring the really good stuff.
1: And you know what's good, though, is that Brad and e may seem to really like him. You yeah, know, th- those aren't guys who are following the ride of everything else on the outside there. They, they believe in him, they've uh, bumped him up in terms of his role here for better or worse, and they've gotten a lot out of it. I mean, they, this would be bad, and maybe there's some benefit in ways to being worse than this, But it would have been really, really bad if he wasn't here in many, many spots. Now, in terms of what we're thinking, what we just talked about in terms of pushing to the playoffs and going all out on this run and feeling like you're in a better spot than you are, that's what I worry about with him. Because if he is going to leave and you just do this mad dash to the playoffs and you fall on your face and lose in five round one and he just walks away, that's not great team management. Uh, You know, if you can go out there and get two second round picks or whatever it's going to be for him in terms of the long view, that might be smart and it might reflect sort of a bigger picture approach that we want to see the team start making here. So if they do that, you'll feel decent about that, right, John? Because like Schroeder's not the difference. He's helped you a ton. He's filled a massive hole, but he's not the difference between you being in the first round and the second round, is he? So there's a big picture here that you need to navigate as well. It's just uh, for a lot of people who are criticizing Dennis, I don't think that's where they're coming at it from. I think they look at him as a problem and that's something I don't see. You know, I think he's helped them and played well throughout this year and, I don't know. I, I really don't know what it is about him that just draws people's ire. I guess he's just an easy target because of his standing And I like the team. I, I
0: really do. I I I props to Jimmy because I think that's my favorite analogy for, for this situation. It's he's not in the circle. It really was. Again, but I'm not I don't want to pinpoint you Bobby, but I mean, you were doing this with Rob, and you know because we we were defending Tice. You know, like it was crazy. Like, and we're not recognizing what we see. Again, not a perfect player, but the good. Again, it's that. Sometimes it comes down to elite skill. Uh, For listen, for me, I'm not. I'm never making. Dennis. Dennis. Dennis has an elite skill set with some things that he does, and some most people don't. The fact he can do things, he gets to the basket for a point guard at an elite level. He is phenomenal at it, not just on this team. League-wide, he is as good as, as 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 far as point guards go as getting downhill he's very good at it it's always been his thing rob has elite things that he does so that more than makes up for some of the deficiencies and i do think is a false equivalency when we're just putting a check in one column and then check in the check in the good column check in the bad column the check in the good column when you're doing it at such a high level should count for two or three and that's what dennis does you know creating offense by yourself on a team that is offensively challenged, has huge, huge value on this team. And
1: let's let's put it out there for the fans, for the chat, for everybody yeah. involved. If you could sign him to a two-year, $14 million deal with a second-year player option this offseason, you're doing that without thinking, aren't you? Like that's just obvious. You'd rather have this guy than not. The trouble, I think, when you take a big picture look at it, is that you're probably not going to be able to have him around. And listen, players don't care about that stuff. And people they let keep the saying Schroeder
0: f- off the bench. We've seen this Schroeder numbers. The splits are, the spit, the splits hugely favor him as a starter, running with the ones. You know, even they with really Smart, do.
1: you want to yeah. look at uh, him and Smart as a duo, still immensely positive as a pairing, despite the visual issues we have with it, and. Uh, yeah. just how it's faltered in some big spots. Taking the
0: big sample from again, this
1: year, when Smart and Schroeder play together, they, I, I, they get positive minutes out of them.
0: Which is where I would, again, love to see them commit with the full lineup when Smart comes back. I am not making this a referendum on Smart. Smart does different things for you, and he, and he has value to this team. But I'd love to see committing to one one point guard, one big, and and decide who that is. And if you thought it was Al and Rob needed to come off the bench, I would think it's stupid, but I would understand the philosophy behind it. Uh, I think it's obviously Rob. I don't Rob, think you
1: can sit Rob. I,
0: I think fine. it's obviously Rob who starts. But I, I would have understood at the beginning of the year when Rob, Rob wasn't. It's obviously Rob, and you know that that's how I feel. And then Al to the bench, and then pick which point guard goes. If you sent Smart, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. But if you sent Dennis, that's fine too. But I think that that's what you have to do uh eventually uh and I do think Grant in there and working in Neesmith to get some shooting with consistent minutes out there you have to start working in those guys I that's what I favor but again we'll see we'll see if it ever gets there Neesmith's
1: uh, not bringing you shooting now I mean that's just how you have to
0: look he's at not it. but he, he he's he's not going to until you let him do it you know until you let him let him go out there and just and let it let it you know just let it he's gotta hit that. a shot like in these little things he he's has getting, to he's gotta he hit to. a shot before that's ever gonna happen he has um, to, but again, Peyton Pritchard has the green light and he's shooting 32% from three this year. So, I mean, it's still not great.
1: But he he did it all last year. And, you know, Neesmith uh, did it at the end. And Dees- to be Neesmith
0: fair. did it at the end as well. Yeah. So, again, these are small sample sizes. Unless you give a guy legitimate run and legitimate leeway to be able to do stuff, it's really hard. These sample sizes are teeny, 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 teeny to be able to make judgments.
1: Well, I mean, this is a big one right here. Schroeder Smart, 600 minutes, 650. And they're plus 4.3, you know, 108 yep. offensive rating. That's smart Tatum level. That's Schroeder Tatum level. It's yeah, right. smart Rob. Like that's just starter level production that they're getting out of that pair. I get not wanting to do it in a crunch time though. It's just, yeah. another, it's just another statement on this working better than people think it is. I mean, if you ask someone on Twitter, what you think Schroeder and Smarter is a pair, they're probably like minus eight, you know, something terrible, but through the run of the year. They've been fine when those two guys are out there because Schroeder scores, smarts, defends. They don't shoot. you got to find some other ways for some shooting here. But until then, listen, I mean, this is just what this team is. I think people want – like Again, I – magic- I re- I, yeah, I just wish people we could People want a- like this magic knee smith. How is their solution off it's the not, bench? It's not happening.
0: It's not – but that's the thing is – The solution is not to help you now. The solution is to unlock the player that they may become. And in order to do that, you have to set yourself free and decide that winning doesn't matter to you anymore. That's got to be Brad. It's got to be Brad. you have to decide it and say you have to empower them to go out there and just play without fear that the, the minutes are theirs for the rest of the year but again you run through this stretch now they go five games over 500 you start talking about can they get up to the five seed you know and then it's all over you've lost well, that's where year it's, of development. In,
1: it's that's where someone in the organization has to take a big picture view. how can you expect it to be email year one coach inconsistent team trying to implement it does if everybody is
0: if everybody is told your jobs are secure go out and do this your your job this year is to see what we've got in these guys above all else uh you know and he
1: may know what the game is you know he's with brett brown there in philly i'm sure brett Brett has incredible assurances and then when crap went bad at the end and they had a really disappointing playoff exit it's like "Eh, let's move on you know how the end this is pro sports. He could be great in a shirt all year, and then it's an explosively disappointing end, ending, and he's he's the culprit at the end yeah. of the scapegoat. So, listen, he's been coaching for a long time here. I think he understands just how this goes and how he's got to approach it. Um, I don't think Imei's to blame, and I don't think he's really missing anything that is just a magic solution you need what to this be to- is.
0: You need to be told, I don't care if you win or lose. And if he does, if he well, is- that's
1: Well, that's what I wrote about, yesterday on clns yep. yeah brad and you
0: guys should check that out good article celtics have to decide their path we've talked yes. about it on the show bobby wrote about it on clns media make sure you go check that out
1: brad e-mania come together and have a conversation probably over the all-star okay. break uh you know that's after the deadline so it's probably gotta be sooner than that of what they're doing here what are we doing here you know are we going all out on a big run here well get rid of those picks and make this team more competitive or are we taking a step back and doing a little more developmental? I think right. that's a decision you can start to make a little sooner than the offseason. And if you put a lot of pressure on yourself and you've obviously locked some guys up and stuff, all of a sudden that brown noise starts again, which I don't think is productive for anybody involved. Because, listen, again, there might be some paths that are decent off of trading brown. But your experiment here and what you're trying to build has failed if you have to end up moving off of Brown. So there's other things you have to do in the meanwhile so you don't end up at that point. And listen, you got to take a risk. Is Brad going to be the kind of guy who makes a tough decision and trades a smart for a deal that you know, might work, might not, but we got to try to sh- shake some things up here. And you don't just make a move willy-nilly, but it's very obvious to me that the offense that they have in place here and just the mix as a whole – Doesn't work all that well toward what they're trying to accomplish here. You know, if the goal of this year, let's say it's not developmental for the kids and it's not winning a championship, if it's just getting Tatum and Brown to play the right way, and I said this in the piece too, put some guys next to them that make it a little bit easier for them to believe in that process. I think the big men that they have in position are right, but I think they just need one shooter. And maybe it's not Barnes, Grant. Bogdanovich one of these big ticket answers maybe it's like Jeremy Lamb or something just someone to make it a little bit easier so that's a path too I don't think you can just do nothing and dump off some money here
0: I don't think so either, but again, we'll see what goes. We got more games this week, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so make sure uh, Wednesday's
1: a big one. That's going to be a really fun. Wednesday's game.
0: a ton of fun. Both Bobby, actually Bobby, Sharon and Joe Sway. will all be at the garden for that one. Uh, so we'll bring you coverage uh, from there. And, you know, Jimmy and I will be on there as well. Uh, and then Friday night. So uh, full slate this week, no more Patriots. So everybody come on board. We're going to ride this thing out as far as we can take it. Um, You know, trade deadline is what, a month away? So we're, you know, we've got that. We're talking Uh, three weeks. Marcus Smart is trade eligible in a week. So we've got that coming a little over a week. I think it's a week from Tuesday. Uh, And that's going to be interesting as well. So there's a ton of stuff to talk about. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channels, both Celtics All Access and um, our CLNS media main youtube channel for insight analysis post-game interview segments all of our podcasts uh which we have as you know we've been i'm gonna write
1: about schroeder
0: today let's do it. i like that bobby you can quote me if you want i'll be an interview (laughs) Uh, but that's fine. But again, thanks for watching. Bobby and I hung for a bit. Uh, it was fun. We had a good audience in here. So thanks for hanging. Uh, you know, Congrats to Rob Williams. Also, uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to all. Uh, go spend the rest of it here, uh, hopefully not working uh, with your families, uh, and we will be back on Wednesday night. Take care, everybody.